0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: This is the Drivers Meeting Podcast, hosted by R.J. Starcevic and driver and team owner in the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Tommy Joe Barnes. Welcome back to the Drivers Meeting Podcast. Happy Throwback Week. Uh, it is Darlington. The weather looks wonderful there, according to the weather report. Uh, should be an awesome weekend, awesome Throwback Weekend in Darlington, Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, talk about our sponsor, our awesome sponsor, of course, Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and it's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head over to the website, betonline.ag, or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online your online sportsbook experts so darlington weather looks great going to be an awesome weekend but first we'll start with talking about kansas because we had two races there this weekend three you count the arca race and the cup race was talked about a lot we feel like cup races at kansas are talked about a lot as of late there's been a lot of i guess you'd call it controversy um after these races between when we had logano and harvick's battle um uh, back in and last year in the playoffs and now you had a, a, a tire caution controversy that some people were, were, you know, getting riled up about taking sides on it. We had an explanation from NASCAR that was kind of the big topic coming out of the race. Obviously, it was a wild race wild finish Kyle Busch was the winner. Um but I just want to hear your standpoint, Tommy Joe, on kind of the tire that came out from Tyler Reddick's pit. It's chilling in the grass, but NASCAR says we're going to let the pit cycle go through. And, you know, this wasn't just your ordinary pit cycle. You know, you had Chris Busher who was he was going to stay out there. You know, Ricky Stenhouse was out there as well. I believe those were the only two guys and Daniel Suarez that were pulling that strategy. So Chris Busher just drove around in the lead for about, you know, 15, 20 more laps. Then once he came to pit road, got his pits up. They threw the yellow. So, you know, whether it's in, you know, the rule book or not, or or whatever they want to do, is it the right thing to do? Do you wait for the pit cycle to to go through, or does it kind of ruin the definition of a caution
0: in NASCAR? Uh, Okay. Here's where there's probably not a right answer here, because let's say that I'm Chris Buescher's crew chief. I'm going, well, they're not throwing the caution. And I'm also going, but I know they're going to throw it. (laughs) So I'm just hoping to stay out there and then we can trap a lot of people to lap down. Right. I mean, that's the whole idea behind what they were trying to do. So they knew they were going to throw it. It was just a matter of when. And so if we all are in agreement that they knew they were going to throw the caution, can I really be mad at NASCAR for not wanting something weird to kind of like screw up the race in in their eyes? It's like, no, I can't really be mad at them, but yeah, well, I think something we talk about a lot on the podcast here, RJ, is consistency. <laughs> we we like to see a little more just overall consistency. And it seems like, okay, well, if the tires a problem, throw the caution then. What what you can't do is throw the caution 20, 30 laps later and then say that was the well, that was the root problem. It's like, well, all right, well, it, it wasn't a problem for 20, 30 laps. So that that can't be. That, I don't think that's what that's why everybody's so crossed up about this is it, it seems like they're excusing what they did by like, they're like justifying it is, is probably a better way of saying it and it's like yeah but by doing that you're you're also like affecting the race they're like well we didn't want that to affect the race it's like well you affected the race yeah <laughs> like if you just throw in the caution that would have affected the race you're right but if you hold out for 20-something laps and then throw it, well, then that also affects the race. So, like, either way, it was going to be affected, and then that opens up the door, right, to the internet comment section to say, oh, this is rigged, and oh, this is that, and this. You know, if, if I'm Chris or screw chief, yeah, I'm screaming like crazy, because I'm like, okay, how do you just not throw it, but then as soon as we pit, you throw it, and you go, we didn't want to affect the pit cycle." I say, like, well, you affected me, <laughs> Yeah. So I understand, you know, I understand the why everybody's yelling on both sides, and and really, I think what we want here, just like what we want out of every NFL game, out of every NBA game, out of every pro sports game, we don't want the refs to be part of the story. That's everybody. Nobody wants to leave the game and be like, you know, who screwed us? The refs. No, nobody wants that. Like, it just we just want to watch the game, who wins, who loses. The end. And here it is again with NASCAR popping up. Like, I know nobody in the NASCAR fandom wants to care anything about caution causes and rulings on uh infractions and all this kind. We we don't want that to be the story, and neither does NASCAR, which is the reasoning behind swallowing the whistle on the yellow but in effect that still is a story right and and, and in a way you probably made it a bigger story than it needed to be
1: yeah for sure that was that the thing that i look at it as is just you know it's just weird right because you have two sides and i guess there's compelling sometimes compelling arguments from both whether it's from nascar with with their explanation for what they did and for people wondering why it happened i mean you know the more you the more you just think about it it's like you know why. It, it, you go back to the definition of the caution, right? A definition of a caution in NASCAR, which is kind of dwindled, you know, over the years anyways, but, you know, a caution is like, uh, I, I just always think back to the one Carl Edwards, uh, interview, you know, when something on the track and it's unsafe for, you know, to continue green flag racing or something, whatever he had said, we could pull up a quote sometime or something like that, but he had said something like that. And, you know, if a tire is on the track, you're calling the caution because it's a hazard, it's a safety issue and you cannot, you know, no longer continue the race under green so why you know what changed over the 15 laps right with the safety hazard did, did the tire come to life and move did the tire just become a safety hazard you know that's what some people are wondering and you know that that's kind of what I was thinking of as well it's just it's weird it's you know you like you said the consistency we need a little more consistency and I guess you know I can't recall that many times I know um Larry Mack or something was talking on the broadcast saying how they've done that before they let this, you know, the pit cycle go through and then they call it. So I don't know, you know, how consistent they have been on that. I can't remember off the top of my head, some other answer. It sounds familiar, but you
0: know, like you you said, The most consistent thing you can do throw the caution when something happens. Yes. (laughs) That's the most consistent thing we can do. Cautions are reactionary. That's what they are. Something has happened and now we have to react and throw a caution because there is something that should cause that it's, it's a reactionary process. So when you withhold that and you make it a deliberate decision, like, okay, well, we're going to let all this play out. And then we're going to throw, well, now it's not reactionary anymore. Now we're not reacting. So like, let's play that out. Right. Okay. You have the leader up front. He pits, tire flies out in the middle of the road Not really, but in the grass, NASCAR throws a caution. You go, well, that sucks. That's a really bad break for fill in the blank. Those people that pitted on the first chance, right? You go, ah, tough break there. When we hold it for 20 laps, and then we throw it after the last guy completes a pit cycle, well, then you've still got people complaining. The people that waited, the people that saw it, and we're like, okay, whoa, that might be a caution there. We don't want to pit yet which is absolutely something we do in the car where you notice it, the camera's zoomed in on it and you go, okay, well, stay out, stay out, stay out. That's happened to me multiple times in my career. So now we're reacting to it. So everybody's reacting. The only person that's not is now NASCAR. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so that seems wild to me. That seems wild. And, and yeah, in a way, actually some of these goofy things that happen a tire flying out in the middle of a pit cycle that kind of stuff actually sometimes spices up the racing now all of a sudden we got a few guys trapped a lap down tough break for them but now they got a battle for the lucky dog oh we got a different leader oh here's some different cars up front that maybe haven't been there all day oh do we have an upset winner does that upset the playoff grid and i start going down like the pathway of like oh this actually becomes kind of a more memorable race rather than we're just going to let everybody play out the pit cycle because we don't want to mess anybody up. It's like, <laughs> yeah. here's where I'm going to cut everybody off, All right, This is not some back alley conspiracy NASCAR thing. It's not. They're not sitting in a boardroom going, how can we screw over Chris Busher? No, that, that was an idea of like, I want to be fair. Everybody had a chance to pit. That way we don't trap anybody a lap down. But I just disagree with the philosophy there. Like that's not... That's not a caution when you can think about it for a little while. It's either not or it is. And if it is, it's immediately a caution. Immediately. and should be reacted that way. And and look, also, I'm going to throw a little little comma at the end of the sentence there. At times, we've probably been a little quick on the trigger for a caution, right? Where it's like a half spin and there's some smoke and whoever it is kind of keeps rolling. And you go, well, that's not a caution. But it looked really showy, and we're, we're, we've are we're we had a bunch of cautions today, and we're kind of quick on the trigger. That's not great either, right? So what we're really all hoping for here in the end is just consistency. We, we just want it to kind of be called the same each and every time. I get what Larry Mack is saying. Yes, they have a precedent of doing that, but you're right. I get why everybody feels like that was inconsistent.
1: Yeah, and you know... Like you said, keep trapping the cars a lap down, you know, just like that. That's the nature of racing, right? The nature of a race. If you're in the middle of a pit cycle and a caution comes out and it happens, cars get trapped a lap down and then you got guys battling for the lucky dog, hoping for another caution as we dwindle, you know, to the end of the race, regardless if the caution was thrown, the race was going to get changed, you know, dramatically anyways. Right. they say cautions breed cautions, right? Kyle Larson was scooting away with the win, you know, just like, just like we had talked about, you know, last week at Vegas, he had, the fastest car and he drove his way up to the front of Kansas and was doing the same thing. Just had to get by, you know, Brad Kislowski, um, you know, of the Penske bunch. So he was scooting away, then caution comes out, another caution comes out. He kind of has a, a bad restart, gets I think, you know, gets dropped back a few positions, and another caution comes out. And I can't remember how, how exactly how many cautions it was, but you know, we get down to the final restart and he's sitting in believe fourth and what it would be you know with the choose rule and everything fourth on the outside lane behind ryan blaney ryan blaney somehow who hadn't even like sniffed second place on somehow he's on the front row just it's crazy how the race changed and it would have changed either way but it would have changed differently right like if we would have thrown the caution as soon as that tire you know went out of the grass and then that was another thing right it's not like when we throw the caution it's okay we went 15 20 laps with the tire there right obviously not a hazard to throw it why throw it anyways, right? You might, you might as well just let them keep going. And I, th- I think that's what a lot of people were thinking as well. We all had that thought of like, oh, they're just going to keep it going green. You know, Larson's going to, you know, scoot away with this, you know, and then they threw it right. You know, kind of a little bit after Chris Buescher came off pit road. So it was, a, it was, a, it was weird you know, a little weird. But yeah, I, I agree with with you and you're saying you would dis- you disagree with their philosophy of, of kind of doing that and you know, a caution for you know the call. You
0: coffee. know what's fun, RJ? Cautions. Yeah. I mean it's not fun for me. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's fun for fans because they're unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Like that that element of unpredictability in racing is nature the, of a race. It's one of the most fun aspects of the whole thing what we do. It doesn't matter if it's Formula One, IndyCar, NASCAR, whatever it is, it's this like Oh, whoa, strategy is changing immediately. Like I have to complete, whoa, I got, who's who's on this strategy that worked? And all of a sudden, I mean, my 11th place finish that I got for BJ McLeod Motorsports in 20, whatever that was, 2017, um, we got it in Iowa. And that was a race that went completely bonkers as far as strategy goes. That's why I was able to get the finish, right? It's not that we weren't pretty competitive. We were, but realistically, we probably would have been about 23rd. All right, which was a good day for our team at the time. But still, we would have been 11th. But people got way off sequence with the pit cycle because there were a couple of weird cautions. And then all of a sudden, there were about, like, 10 guys that had run in the top 10 all day, and they were trapped a lap down. Yeah, <laughs> And, and now, now the field goes completely bonkers. And, like, Ryan uh, uh, Brian C. had a chance to win the race at the end of the race. And, uh, you know, there were other guys in the top five. And everybody was like, wow, that was one of the best races of the year. Well, <laughs> it's because of this layer of unpredictability in it. So rather than being like, whoa, we don't want we don't want this kind of weird fluke thing to mess up the race, like if I was NASCAR and something like that happened, I'd be like, throw it. This is gonna mess the race up. This is gonna be great. Yeah. <laughs> like if, if they really were, you know, the evil genius plotting behind the scenes, like a lot of people on Reddit want to say they are. They, they ought to be welcoming stuff like that. They ought to be throwing stuff on the track themselves because that's the kind of stuff that breaks up the race. It yeah. makes it really weird. And that's what people are doing, right? That's what people are doing. Like
1: Chris Busher, like Ricky Stenhouse and Brian Patty staying out on those green flag, you know, runs hoping for a caution, right? And that's why they're so mad because they see the tire, right? They see the tire. They're like, oh man, like, oh, there it is. Like we might, this might've paid off. And then they hear that they're not throwing it. We're going to wait to throw it until you pit i mean that's that's just
0: you know a shot in the arm right there i mean that's just bad you know and and there's a reason why you're going to turn around and just chew out the nascar official that's that's the classic tv shot is the crew chief (laughs) just letting the official have it which happens several times during the race i'm sure you know tv doesn't catch that all the time it happens here in every race every race there are people yelling at each other from both sides but most of the time, it doesn't affect the overall outcome of the race, right? And so, just affecting whoever's crew that is, whatever minor thing on pit road, in and out of the box, speeding penalty into the line. Did we get our spot right? What? And you're kind of jawing at them Normal stuff. I feel like Brian had a pretty good reason to be jawing at the officials there because he's going, "You deliberately sabotage me, right here." Which they weren't. They were just trying to help everybody. But in helping everybody we we screw over uh the 17.
1: yep it's uh you know in in a, in a day and age where we are splitting the races into three stages right mm-hmm. green flag runs are sometimes rare um, yeah, you scheduled know, we'll, cautions yeah scheduled cautions we'll get to the all-star race later that is a kazillion stages but <laughs> you know in a, in a day and age where we're having so many stages right we're stopping the race we have competition caution stage one stage two so many fixed scheduled cautions Sometimes fans, most fans would like to see a nice green flag run strategy towards the end of the race to spice it up, especially when nothing's really going on, right? We're at Kansas, a mile and a half. We know Kyle Larson is, is pulling away and probably going to scoot away with the win, right? Uh, there's some battles mid-pack as well, but it, like that caution, if that came out when, when the tire was there, that would have shook the whole race up. Now, one thing that I go back to, the last time that I remember something like that happening was Vegas, right? When Kurt Busch pulled off that win in the playoffs. He, him and Matt McCall were staying out. And I think a few others were out at the time. Caution comes out. And that basically won them the race, you know, because those restarts are hectic. And, you know, sometimes it's a little bit harder to pass harder to gain an advantage and stayed out front, won the race. And that's basically what won on the race, right? You know, you can't, you know, say the same, same thing about, you know, Chris Busher or Ricky Stenhouse, you know, who knows if they would have won the race because there was a lot more race left. I think at that time there was still about like 20, 30 ish to go at least in the race. And, but you never know how those things play out, right? We love the strategy. You know, you always think back to why, you know, Formula One is, is so great because of the strategy, because the way they present, you know, Formula One, you can't, you know, talk enough about it. You just, you know, that's just one thing that, man, you wish if they would have thrown that caution if that tire was there. How much that would have changed the race differently in a more natural way, right? Not having another fixed caution because everyone in their radios knowing when the caution's coming out It's just like another stage. It's like, okay, the caution's coming out after Chris Buescher pits, so gear yourself up for that. You know, that's that's really it. I mean, I was just thrown off by it. I'm sure a lot of people were. But overall, at K, I I think it was it set up for another exciting finish. Um, Kyle Busch gets the win, his first of the year. I believe that is ten different winners in eleven different races. So, man, we are shaping up for. Could we get over sixteen in the playoffs, or and not in the playoffs, but winning to to get in the playoffs? Could we see someone with a win get knocked out?
0: You know, it's so competitive, RJ, right now in the Cup Series, where you've got legitimately. 20 to 24 ish teams that if I told you they won a race, it wouldn't seem like a complete wacky thing that had happened. And, you know, I mean, Michael McDowell won the Daytona 500. And he goes, wow, huge upset. Uh, Well, he finished third at Talladega and he's got like multiple top tens this year. So it's not like Kansas, I believe. Yeah. So it's not like they're slow. (laughs) So really that cup field right now is so deep and and by design, we are going to some racetracks that are, by design, wild card races. Yep. On purpose. That's why we're going there. Like the dirt race at Bristol, that was going to be considered a wild card race. You saw the 99 car up front for a pretty good chunk of that. Nobody probably would have expected that. Okay. Now we're going to go to Coda, new track. What's that going to be like? All right. What's the last race of the regular season? Daytona International Speedway. It's like a win and get in. Maybe, or maybe it's a tiebreaker type thing where we've already got 16, 17 guys that have a win. And there's a bunch of guys looking at that cut line and they're going, crap, I got to win again to kind of jump out of this little pack here that I'm in. So that would be a really neat storyline. I think we're shaping up for more than 16. Oh gosh. Because right now we've got how many more races in the playoffs, RJ? They've run what, like 11 races? run
1: 11. Yeah, Yeah. so we got about eh, 15-ish.
0: We got 15-ish to go, and we would need six more winners in 15 races. I want to say no. I I just feel like eventually over the course of a season, you start seeing in the meat of the season here, the contenders kind of separating themselves from the contenders. You're going to have a guy go on a run where he wins two or three in a row or something like that. that. It happens every year. So I don't want to jump off the deep end. Yeah, this is crazy. I mean, 10 winners, 11 races, that's wild. And, and it's what NASCAR wants. It's what the NFL wants when they put a salary cap in and they want all this parity and they got, you know, a you, couple of good draft picks, a couple of free agents, and now all of a sudden you're in the playoffs. Parity in, in pro sports is good. Right now at the cup level, not parity in the way that I envision it, right, where every team has a chance to win, but we do have a good chunk of the field in really competitive elite equipment that has a chance to go up there and win a race. And that makes for a really fun watch. Yeah. The, the next
1: two races, basically, we got Darlington with that, you know, the low 750 package, Dover 750 package. So those two races in a row, you feel like you could have maybe some of the same contenders in both of those races. And last year, this was the part of the season where Kevin Harvick took off, right? Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin were basically just trading blows at this point, seeing who could have most the most wins as we approach the playoffs. Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, both no wins a season yet. Is this where they finally kind of skyrocket off? You got this weekend uh, as of four active drivers, Harvick and Hamlin both have three wins at Darlington. That leads every other active driver, right? Hamlin is pretty good at Darlington most of the time. Kevin Harvick, pretty good at Darlington most of the time. He won two races there last year, uh, dominated the opening one uh, for the return and kind of was just there for when, you know, riding third when Chase Elliott and Truex had their tangle. Uh, ended up winning the playoff race there at Darlington. So, and then we had Dover where I believe Kevin Harvick, Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin traded. They both split the double header there at Dover, um, Harvick winning one and then Hamlin winning the other there at Dover. So these are two tracks, um, that Hamlin and Harvick have had a good amount of success at, as we, and, and it feels like they probably need that because. I say they need a good two weeks here because we head to Circuit of the Americas. That's unpredictable. We know Harvick is not the greatest on these road courses, especially a new road course. But you never know. Then we head to the Coke Six Hundred. You don't know how unpredictable that could be. It's going to be more about the cars because we're back, you know, to the five five fifty package. Then to Sonoma, which Harvick Kevin Harvick has had success at Sonoma. He's won there a few times now. Um, and then the All Star Extravaganza, at Texas Motor Speedway. Um, and we, we could talk about that a little bit. I, I don't believe, I think the All-Star announcement came, yeah, the day after we had uh, recorded the last podcast. So we haven't talked about this yet. We were kind of joking about it, saying, let's see what Eddie Gossage and those guys have planned for the All-Star race. And I think by the day, I might be starting to understand it a little more. I do know that we have six stages. And after each one, there's some sort of an invert or a lineup um, mix up and everything like that. There is a pit crew challenge. I love I do love that. Uh, there's a pit crew challenge. I believe the winner, hundred thousand, hundred K I believe the fastest pit stop on one of the, um, yellow flag pit stops. So that should be cool. But man, I know, I know a lot of people did not really understand that all-star race format at first. I'm trying to, you, <laughs> you commented when you need a PhD to understand the all-star format. So is, is that, have, have you kind of been studying it and do you think you got it by now?
0: I just feel like it could be so much simpler than it is. I feel like we're we're all, we all understand that it needs to be different than what a normal race is for us, right? So let's look at what the all-star was for forever. It was a stage race. It was segments where we paired the field down. We had the all-star open. Anybody could make it. And that was exciting. And then it was, okay, now you're into the first segment of the all-star race. And then we're going to cut it down a little bit. And then we're going to trim it down again for this final shootout. And we're going to do maybe an invert for the final shootout. Honestly, that makes sense to me, right? Where it's almost like elimination format. We're kind of like paring down to the final, you know, 10 cars or whoever you want to have out there on the racetrack. Oh, I get it. And, and for a mile and a half racetrack, 10 cars on it. Not a lot of cars. Not a lot of cars. For, for all the people that are buying tickets to go see this. Yeah, not a lot of cars. All right. What is the right answer <laughs> for an all-star race? Something I've thought about is having multiple races over a couple of nights. And then you're adding up points, almost like a little mini championship, something like that. What I would like to see would be like a multi-purpose track host the all-star race aka charlotte motor speedway where they have a dirt track and a road course yeah and a big track and you just go really quick we're gonna go first night second night third night and then at the end of it that's that's the winner that's that's our all-star champion it's like a little mini championship all right that's option number one all right you don't like that we want to be able to move it around we want to be able to go to different places okay fine Here's what we'll do. We'll do three races, and we're going to do, like, essentially, uh, think about it like uh, the way they do the Chili Bowl. Sorry, I blanked there for a minute, but Chili Bowl. Chili Bowl's got passing points. Now, you, you still get points for winning from the lead, but you get more points if you started in the back and passed a bunch of guys which is what we really want, right? I mean, that's what we want in an all-star format. So I think you could do some version of like, whatever, two races to qualify with passing, where it's just simple. We're gonna start you like this, and then how you finish, we're gonna invert, right? Because you, you are giving the person that won that race the advantage of starting in the back and potentially passing more cars, right? Gaining more points, locking themselves into the final race. So it's two races passing points, and then the feature, and that's it. And that's the all-star format. And it's like, okay, I think everybody kind of get behind that. I I love, here's one thing that I love. They are incorporating the pit crews as part of this format. That is, I think everybody has said that's the best thing they've done. I totally agree. There needs to be some version of the all-star weekend with a pit crew challenge, which is what they tried to incorporate when we did all-star qualifying. At Charlotte, where we were coming off the banking at 180 or whatever it was, that just never sat well with me <laughs> from a safety standpoint. As yeah. somebody that does this for a living and goes, you know what, I'm willing to make some 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 risks here <laughs> in the in the uh, the hopes of entertaining the fans. All right. I'm willing to take some risks. That seemed like pretty dumb to me. Yeah. Like the fact that we didn't have any just mega wrecks. With that speaks to just how talented everybody is driving these race cars, right? Because I think inherently that was a really dumb idea. That was like really, really crazy. (laughs) And we didn't have a problem with it somehow. Uh, But I didn't like that. I like it being a pure pit crew competition. Nothing about the driver. Take me completely out of it for a minute. I just want to focus on these five people hopping over the wall. These guys and girls that are getting it done hopping over the wall. Car already in the box, right? Not me coming in and stopping and pulling back out. No, that's not part of it. Because then all of a sudden I drop the clutch and rev it up too much and spin the tires too much or something and they don't get rewarded. No, I want it completely on them, pit crew competition. And I think that should be their moment to shine. And I think we really should be celebrating those people that work so hard to do those things.
1: Yeah, I agree. I love the pit crew competition. And, and but you, like you said about the all-star race, like what we used to be, right? We, it used to be, you know, you'd have stages in the all-star race, you'd eliminate the field. And the big part of stages, right? This all-star race has six stages. And the big thing about the all-star race, what made it unique is it had stages. But now as we look at, that's this, is why the all-star race is kind of diminished. People felt it diminished because every race in the season now has stages, right? We've turned every race in the season and what the all-star race had, right? As far as- and it had a 550 package. Exactly. And
0: we went, awesome! And then it's like, and eh, now every race is 550 <laughs> package.
1: Exactly. And it was cool for that one race, right? That, that one all-star race. You had the stages. You had that package. And, and it was just cool to see. And everyone, I guess, got a little too excited over it. And they gave it to us for a whole season. So, you know, that, but that's the thing. NASCAR still felt like they had to make it different from what we see every week. Um, it would have been funny if we would have just went total opposite and they said, all right, this all-star race is going to be 900 horsepower, no stages all through the race. Now that would have been awesome. I I would have been all for that. Cause then we could just, you know, we do like an old switcheroo, we just flip-flop it. Right. But now we have, we got six stages. They're running the more like the package that we did, um, you know, at, at Charlotte for the one all-star race a few years back. And what I thought was, was just you know made me laugh a little tiny bit as they said they were using the spoiler you know that they use it at, at daytona and talladega i thought that was funny because all week we've been here about joey logano telling them to cut the spoiler get rid of the spoiler and they said okay we're going to add it to the all-star race now in texas right <laughs> I just th- i just thought that was kind of funny but um, it's, it's going to be wild. It's going to be, you know, I'm, I'm more excited for, I'm usually more excited for the showdown, honestly, at this point, just to see all the smaller teams, you know, it's just kind of a fun race, right? It's just, it's more of the smaller organizations competing, trying to get in the all-star race. Now at Texas, apparently I still don't a hundred percent get this format, but apparently you're going to have to do a lot of passing. You're going to want to do a lot of passing, picking up positions. We're going to Texas motor speedway. I don't know how easy it That's is to fast. pass there. Yeah. yeah. Very, tough. Very hard to pass in the yeah. IndyCar race. You can't go more than one lane up the racetrack at IndyCar, but thankfully for NASCAR, I guess you can go up a little bit more. We can run in the, the PJ One traction compound that has killed the racing surface, um, at least for IndyCar for sure. I, I feel really bad for IndyCar. You know, they only get a few oval races per year now, and Texas I always thought was my favorite, right? And now it's just single lane racetrack. It's a debacle. It's yep.
0: uh, and and look, and everybody has realized here here here. Two things I'm about to hop up on the corner for. So everybody that wants to just skip forward in the podcast, go ahead. But number one, Texas Motor Speedway sucks. And and here's the thing. I love Texas Motor Speedway. Like the people, the area, it's a great setup. It's a great facility. The racing surface of Texas Motor Speedway has now been completely ruined. It was ruined the moment they did it. It's been ruined ever since. It's a terrible racetrack. Hate Hate, 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 hate going there. Everybody that's a driver hates going there. I got my career best finish ever, my first ever NASCAR top 10 there last year. The other race, I ran 15. So it is definitely a good track for me as a driver. Still hate it. Yeah. <laughs> still still hate it. It's the most frustrating place you'll ever go. All right. Now, part two of this. Let's talk all-star here. Because every year with the all-star race, I get to give my little rant about the all-star race and what we should really be doing here. Right. So we talked a little bit earlier about what I think the formats ought to be given the current state of things, right. Where we could either go to like a multi race thing, maybe. Right. But that's more of a dream thing, but the passing points, I like it. Simplify it. I don't think we need six rounds of this. It just needs to be Here's the field. We're going to start them like this. And then based on how they finish, we're going to invert the whole field and boys have at it. And then we're going to add it up. And that's who's getting the shoot out at the end of the night. Simple, easy. I don't think it's that hard. Okay. What should it be in the grand scheme? So we're talking about the NASCAR all-star race. NASCAR All Star Race. Now, is it the Cup Series All Star Race (laughs) or is it the NASCAR All Star Race? If it's the NASCAR All Star Race, this should be the format. We should have the current qualified playoff drivers in the Cup Series be locked in, the current Xfinity playoff drivers be locked in, and the current uh, Truck Series playoff drivers be locked in. And it should be some version of like an IROC race. That's what we ought to be doing. That's what this all-star race probably ought to be, right? That is now an event. And then what you could do is you could have, because let's let, add that up. That's what? 10 trucks, 12 in Xfinity, 16 there, right? So we got two open spots for a 40-car field if we really wanted to have them. So now that opens up the wild card possibility, right? Where you get everybody else in the Cup Series to they race for one of those spots and then you have a fan vote that takes over the rest of the top three that you can vote for a a full-time driver that's not already in great that's your field that's it and now we would have something that is truly unique that only happens once a year now also for the clash speaking of exhibition races our idea when we talked about this was to just have all three series out there at the same time, right? To just have the playoff teams or the playoff drivers from the year before they go all run the Daytona road course as a clash kind of to open up the season, but it's all, it's like a multi-class race. Now that is unique and it's not going to affect anything. It's not going to affect anybody. There's plenty of room on pit road for everybody to set their stuff up. And they're all going to be down there the next week anyway, with a completely different race car. So, it's not, it wouldn't really hurt anything. And it would be a completely different show. Okay. So, all star race, I rock format. Who's going to do the cars and all this kind of stuff? I get it. All right. I get it. Immediately, that is a negative. Like, who's going to field these other race cars and maintain them? I call out Ray Everham right exactly all right you had the SRS series let's, yeah. let's buy that out really quick okay so that could be that's one option but i understand that it's probably a little unrealistic okay here's the other option i already gave you another option which was three races over the course of three nights now that version of it you could even say oh well i don't want the cup series to have to run three different style cars three nights and we're, we're not paying them enough for this and it's you know fine what if you did an all-star race for each series the trucks were the dirt oval xfinity ran the road court the you know the roval and you know cup ran the big track but then you do three nights okay we could do it that way too sure all right here's the other option here's the one that's going to piss everybody off here's what we really need to do we need to have the all-star race at north Wilkesboro. that's where it ought to be and everybody's gonna get mad and go, oh my god, here we go again. North Wilkesboro, we're talking about North Wilkesboro. I don't care if you pour dirt all over it. I don't care what you do. But I love the idea of a NASCAR All Star Weekend that is at a really historic place for the sport, and that every year that's where you could announce the Hall of Fame class, and it could kind of be like a celebration weekend of the sport, and then we do. The dirt race, like we've talked about here, we don't know if, you know, they're already bringing back dirt for Bristol next year. So it's not going to be weird that we're, if we ran a dirt race, if you poured dirt all over North Wilkesboro, but regardless, whatever it is, I love that idea of it's there. It's completely unique. That's the only time we ever go there. So it's not like teams are preparing for it and they've got a book of notes on it this big, it's complete kind of wild card and whether it's dirt, whether it's asphalt, whatever it is, that same format would work. And I think kind of the history and the context of it would kind of propel the event to another level. And it wouldn't matter if you go, oh, well, man, we wouldn't sell as many tickets to that. 30,000 tickets or 20,000 tickets at North Wilkesboro is going to look like a sold out packed house compared to 25,000 tickets at Charlotte Motor Speedway or 20,000 tickets at Texas where it seats 120,000. And so now you're making it a little bit more of an exclusive thing and I'm going to dare to dream here a little bit, RJ, because I heard on a podcast, on Dale Jr.'s podcast, uh, when uh, I forget, uh, Marcus Smith was talking about the future of North Wilkesboro Speedway, he brought it up completely on his own. Like it wasn't like, let me ask him about it. He just said, hey, I want to say something else before I get off the pod. Uh, Just want to let everybody know we've heard you about North Wilkesboro and, you know, just kind of stay tuned. Like we haven't just written that off. And Dale Jr. was like, huh? And that became like breaking news for a few days. But they're clearly planning something. Something. And if it's like, well, we don't have to repave it. We just pour dirt on it, maybe. Or we don't, you know, we could we just build the facilities around it. We do some temporary type facilities. It's only going to be a couple times a year, whatever. Let's fix grandstands. We've got all these grandstands now because we've had to reduce capacity yeah. <laughs> at so many tracks. So we own all these bleachers, and they're not going anywhere. So we might as well put them at North and yeah. stay in North Wilkesboro. standing bleachers. There is some crazy weird way where at the back of my mind, this like plays out in real life, where somehow NASCAR goes back to national fairgrounds. And somehow we go back to North Wilkesboro. I think for the all-star race is a perfect setting.
1: I think that would be great. The all-star race kind of at a historic track, like you said, kind of maybe having to do something with the hall of fame and the celebration of the sport. You got, you, you got a lot of a variety of tracks we could do. I think I still think the multi-class deal for the clash, having a multi-class race with the trucks Xfinity cup. I love that idea. I don't know why we haven't done it right Wait, because, and I feel like there is a time where NASCAR will, right? Because we're, we're getting into that part where we are taking things from other sports, right? We are just like, Oh, you know let's do this thing it's kind of like f1 so this thing's kind of like imsa why don't, why don't we do that multi-class race like you'd think they would have you know, they think they would have just done it by now you know and also them.
0: think about just the really the, the humor potential in it too oh, where yeah. somebody's really struggling in the cup race and they're getting passed by the x-meny cars they get passed by a truck and now you know all More them, horsepower talking about them on twitter you know they're going oh uh, uh this isn't fair to him they got some damage uh, and people defending people, and people also being like, oh, this proves that he's the best road course, right? You would have all that kind of talk going on. It would actually be hilarious. Uh, so, yeah, I, I guess the reason that we haven't done that in some way, do, do we hate money? Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not even asking for a cut of this. I should be. This is my plan. Actually, yeah. I stole it from somebody else, but it, I'm now making it my plan. Yeah. But I'll give some money to the other guy I stole it from. I think it was Matt Weaver that came up with this on Twitter. So big shout out to Matt Weaver.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If we if we ever get, you know, a, a Steve Phelps, a Steve O'Donnell on the podcast ever, you know, in the future, we're just going to have a list of things. So we're going to be like, you know, we're going to start the show. We're gonna be like, gonna All right. Number
0: one, <laughs> we need a multi-class class for that. Let's we'll we'll start off with them. the easy stuff and see if we can work up to yeah. try get the tires. Yeah, yeah that's true. I, I work we'll, 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 we'll work into the big stuff. <laughs>
1: so one thing that we had talked about a lot um, before the season, and we were kind of wondering was Brett Moffitt's decision to run for truck points instead of Xfinity. He made the decision to switch over now late. Do we think it's too late? I think it was a little too late. I think, well, I mean, first of all, we think he should have made the decision to run for Xfinity points to begin with. I, at least that's my opinion. I know you'd kind of said you'd think he should have done that too. So now he opens up the nice ride, which feels like it was kind of, kind of a waste to the start of the season right now. Now it's like, he really has to start to keep gaining ground in the Xfinity series, which he can, you know, our motorsports has the potential. He's got to get in the top 20. He's probably, you know, if he doesn't point his way in, he's going to need a win, which that might end up becoming a reality. And he has been close a few times this season at Homestead running P2 and other races. He's been running up in the top five. So they, they have the potential to do it, but it was, you know, it was an expected move. I felt like it was the right move, but it should have been made a lot earlier in in my opinion.
0: Yeah, I agree. And I I think I'm trying to read the tea leaves here to understand why that decision was. I feel like Chevrolet and Nice must have had something going on with Brett, with him being an established truck champion and them wanting to maybe help Nice who also has some other Chevrolet development drivers over there, uh, Carson Hocevar is over there on that team. Yeah. Um, you know, Ryan Truex, who uh, obviously very well-known, good driver, great personality, you know, probably something to the effect of like wanting Brett to kind of maybe evaluate the program in a way, kind of help boost the program in, in a way. Uh, and if he was able to, and they were a playoff team, well, then, now they look really smart, right? Where yeah. now Brett's kind of the captain of the ship on another uh, team in the in the truck series and, you know, Chevrolet and, and their entire fleet are all the better. Um, obviously our motorsports has really stepped up this year and they have openly said, yeah, we're leasing engines every race. <laughs> like, yeah, we're stepping up. We now have partnership with with ECR and RCR. Like that's why we're, we're doing better. Uh, It's a good situation for Brett. And the reason why he's making this change, there can only be one reason. And that's if he thinks he's going to win a race to get in the playoffs in the Xfinity series. Now we saw him almost do it at Homestead. So is this completely out of the realm of possibility? No, but he knows right now we are sitting in the Xfinity series, we've run eight races. We have a playoff that lasts seven races. Our season is 33 races. So do the quick math there. Uh, We've got 18 races left for the playoffs. Brett's got to be telling himself, all right, 18 races. I I think I can do it. Remember, it's twofold here. It's win a race and be in the top 20 in the driver points. And I'm just telling you, that second part of that is going to be a little tougher than we think uh it's not going to just be easy to get there so i'm sitting 15th in the driver points right now and i think i've averaged about uh, about 15 17 18 some points a race so that's basically averaging a top 17 type finish uh over the course of the year and i'm 15th in the points now here's the crazy stat the person that's in 20th behind me they're only 15 points behind me so That's a lot of guys that you're going to have to jump over that are all running pretty consistently around the top 20. So it's not just like when when I think everybody thinks about Ross Chastain doing this a few years ago, that was a different thing because Ross was running up in the top five often. He had a truck that could win a race every week. He was getting stage points by the boatloads. He won a race. He got back in the top 20 basically instantly in the truck series, which got him back in there. I mean, it was really not even that big of a climb. What Brett is trying to do here is really hard because even if he wins a race, he's still got to climb a bunch of those kind of what I consider my type of competition right there in that kind of second tier in the Xfinity series. And if he's not fast enough to get top six, seven type stage points consistently, then that gap is going to be really tough to overcome. If he's planning on finishing 12th every week, he's just not going to get there. He's not going to get there. Like if, yeah, he locks up, wins a race, great, but every other finishes 15th. He's not going to get in the top 20 by the time the playoffs start.
1: Yeah, and they're going to have to make sure to survive too. You know, they can't afford uh, a DNF, you know, wreck early in the race yeah. and finish 37th, you know, they, and they yeah. got to get some stage points too. So it's going to be interesting to see how they strategize that. You know, as I look at it right now, they're about – 103 points back from 20th. 20th is Josh Berry right now with, um, you know, which he's not going to be in the car the full season, so he'll eventually fall back. And behind him, you have Timmy Hill, Kyle Weatherman, Joe Graff, Jeffrey Earnhardt, Jesse Little, all those guys right there, kind of behind those, you know, in the mix, about around 100-ish points above where Brett Moffitt is right now. So... We'll have to see how he gets his way up there. He probably saw Talladega as a big opportunity, right? That was his first race, really going for Xfinity points. And they ended up finishing 17th, right? And they probably would have loved to be a lot higher than that, a lot higher than 17th. And they, they, they it's go time. You know, you got Darlington, Dover uh, tracks. I think he can do well at. I know he did well at Dover last time in the O2, I believe. They led some laps there. Um Because I think they started on pole from an Invert, I believe. And he ended up leading the laps and ran up front a good amount of the race.
0: He admits that's one of his best tracks that he went to. And that was honestly, I think, one of the most impressive performances of the year last year in the Xfinity Series, what he was able to do in that race. That was really, really impressive. And look, this is all credit to Brett Moffitt that we even think this is like on the table for him to be able to pull this off. I mean, we're talking about an elite level driver. This is somebody that I got a ton of respect for. Would it surprise me to see him pull this off? No, it wouldn't surprise me to see him pull it off. What I'm saying to everybody listening here is it's actually going to be really hard. I feel like Ross's path to doing this in the truck series was easier than Brett's path to doing it right now in the Xfinity series with the depth of the field. And you're going to have to score playoff points. And up there at the front of the field, we think there are 16 cars that can go get stage points basically every week. And that just is really tough. Like you're you're going to have to kind of fight for those extra little points here and there because otherwise the guys that he's racing, me, you know, uh, Timmy Hill, uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt, some of those guys that, that he's racing right around that thing. If we're finishing 20th every week and he's finishing 14th, it's just not going to be enough over the course of the year to get to that by the time we get to playoff time.
1: Yeah, exactly. So we'll just, we'll have to see how it pans out, how, how well you do. I think you can have a good shot at Darlington Dover. I think this will really be defining weeks to see, okay, where are they at? Yeah. Can they really make it, uh, especially over this stretch of Xfinity races? We had what, 11, 12 straight weeks of racing. So th- this is it. They're going to find out this week, no weeks off. And I was just skimming through the entry lists and they've been updating them, uh, the last few days, I think B.J. McLeod is running all three races this weekend. <laughs> he's running in the, in the 33 truck, the the 90 car for DGM and Xfinity and, of course, his own team, uh, the 78 and Cup. So that's awesome for B.J. Uh, triple, triple header for him. Uh, I don't know how many. I think Timmy Hill's been the only one to do that this year so far, and he's done it on multiple occasions. He usually does that a lot. So but back back to Nice really quick. One guy I want to talk about was Bailey Curry. Um, big shots. And we had him on the podcast around, not, not too long ago, about a month ago. And we know that, that he can, he can drive a race car. He is a good race car driver. He, we had had him on after Phoenix, after he'd finished, I believe was seventh, uh, for my Carmen racing. And here he goes, gets another opportunity at Nice. And he has gotten these opportunities at Nice over the past few years when they just need a driver to come in and they call up Bailey and he comes in. He has never finished outside the top 20 for Nice Motorsports. And I believe he's had seven starts. He had about four last year. I think he had a few the year before and- now he gets one this year. gets to hop in the 44 truck at Darlington because Eric Darnell is in the 45 truck this week. So Bailey Curry, awesome Performance, he was third on that restart. You know, unfortunately had a little bit of, of, a, of a slower start, didn't get right to the back of his teammate Ross. And then everyone just, you know, piled drove their way through. It was four or five way. Well, it was a mess. He got ping-ponged around and sent back. And I think they ended up finishing 12th, which uh, it would have been, you know, just an awesome day in general if he wasn't up there in third, especially. I mean, that's still an awesome finish for them. But he he almost had a shot at the win. But man, I love Bailey Curry. I love what he's doing out there. And definitely just want to give a shout out to him because he took advantage of the, you know, the open seat. They called him up. Here comes Bailey Curry. And yeah, I mean he's in contention for a top five, almost a win at Kansas. So that, that was awesome. I love that.
0: Yeah. And really good to see a guy. Here's a guy that's running in what people would consider subpar equipment in the Xfinity series. and doesn't always get a chance to show what he can do, right? Did have a set place finish at, at Phoenix earlier this year. We had him on the pod talking about this, but now he's in a truck that everybody would say is more competitive than the Xfinity car that he's in. And he's able to run up there consistently have a solid day and, and prove something that I think a lot of us in the garage have known for a while, which is that he's a pretty solid driver and he's still so young. Like we think about young drivers in the Xfinity series, immediately we generally go to the front of the field, right? Mm-hmm. We start thinking about those guys. that are in the top rides that are up there kind of putting their name on the map for cup level success. Okay. Understandable. I think Brett Moffitt really stands out to me as the guy that I would be trying to hire from the Xfinity Series right now, especially since it looks like he doesn't have a a truck deal. But Bailey is one of those guys, Bailey and Kyle Weatherman, both down there at Mike Harmon Racing, two guys that have really impressed me. And you got to look at contextually the team they were on before they got there. What changed? They were the changes. And they told me that both of them were over there working in the shop Every day, they had both been over at Rick Ware Racing. They had both learned a little bit on the cup side. They were trying to bring that down to Mike. They knew it was the only opportunity they were going to get to be able to make laps, to be able to get more experience. They wanted to turn it into a better organization. They've been able to do it. And and you see that the talent for Bailey really hasn't been the problem, right? It's just been about getting him in a race car that's a solid race car. We can show that off every week.
1: Yeah, so awesome opportunity for him. That was awesome. And Nice Motorsports is kind of in that position they were last year, right? Here here they were with Time Majeski. He kind of had a full-time. They had a few guys in full-time rides, and Time Majeski, you know, didn't get a ride for the rest of the season. And here comes all these random people coming in to drive for Nice, right? He had James Busher return last year. Connor Daly ran a race last year out of nowhere. And now here comes Eric Darnell, his first Camping World Truck Series race since 2008. Everyone remembers him from the old NASCAR games. I do. Those old EA Sports NASCAR games, you know, playing them they'd always go with Eric Darnell, but obviously he's a winner and he was, he was good when he was racing before. And now he's back. Nope. You know, you got no practice before these races and he hasn't been in a truck in 13 years. And here, here comes Eric Darnell got an awesome throwback scheme, probably, you know, right, right back to what he was running before when he ran the 99 Mm -hmm. truck. Um, You know, exactly. I mean, the throwback schemes, you know, this year are are awesome. I'm I'm loving them. Uh, The truck series is going to be on, on a Friday night. I think that's going to be awesome. I think Carson Hosvar said he was doing a a Johnny Benson throwback today, the nice 42 truck. Um, Chris Wright throwing back to Ron Hornaday's good wrench uh, truck. Uh, that scheme looks awesome uh the xfinity series um great as well i think they had a poll yesterday the best throwback I, was yours in the lead
0: it was it was in the hunt i think we're in the top three right now in the in the xfinity series polling uh we're, we're in the running for it with that rich bickle uh 10 10 3, 4, 5 cards oh
1: man yeah there's there's Bunch of great selections out there for um, Xfinity throwbacks. Cup throwbacks look good as well. Um, but yeah, as for Darlington this week, I mean, I. The truck race, I think, is just going to be great. It's going to be an awesome Friday night race. You know, that the last race that they had at Darlington last year wasn't even supposed to be on the schedule. You know, they had just added it. None of those drivers really had practice. They were just surviving at, at that point. Um, you know, it was, an, it was an all right. It was a decent race. But I think we're going to see a lot more aggressiveness uh, this time around. Friday Friday night under the lights at Darlington. Um, I think it's going to be an awesome race. The Xfinity Series, we know – is going to put on a show um, you guys do every single time you head to Darlington it seems like especially last year two very memorable finishes uh, to those races um, and the Cup series uh, everyone's excited we got this 750 package yes, back, at, back at Darlington uh, for both races this year and at Nashville Super Speedway um, something maybe that Kevin Harvick is is hoping for he did get two wins last year. Um, in in the in the 550 package, but I feel like this is something. Here we go. Harvick was good at Dover last year in the 750 package. That's coming up, just like we talked about. Darlington, maybe a chance to to get back on the streak. I mean, so who who are you like looking for as we talk about you know getting into this part of the season where we got a bunch of straight weeks of racing? And we really this really is going to define who 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 is here to play and and kind of who's been. I would want to say faking it uh, these first few weeks, but who falls off a little bit um, as we reach these weeks. So who who are you looking for maybe to kind of hit a big stride here um, in in any of the series?
0: Yeah, I'm looking at Martin Truex. I feel like they really have the chemistry there, him and James Small, great team. Been able to kind of learn off what Denny and that 11 team did uh, last year. And, And I feel like they have been, not under the radar, right, because they've been up at the front in a lot of these races, but but I feel like they are the ones that I look at and I go, they're, I think they're poised for kind of a little little bit of a hot stretch here. And, and given more horsepower back to these guys, I I want to look at Martin Truex Jr. as a guy that I think manages that as well as, as anybody in the entire field. So we go to Darlington, I'm looking for him, and as we start moving forward, Dover, these road courses, he's an elite road course racer, really, really good at it. Um, I really think he could get on a little bit of a hot stretch here, RJ.
1: Yeah, I, I would be looking at Martin So He was up there towards the end of that that Kansas race as well, uh, playing in contention. Um, and they already have two wins, right? They're the only team that has won the uh, more than one race this season. So if, if they start winning, I think some of the playoff teams that have won so far this year would, wouldn't would even mind that, right? As Brad Kozlowski, I think, was saying on the pre-race show, they don't want a bunch of new winners, right? They, they <laughs> They, they, they want some of the same winners to kind of to keep winning. They would want it to be themselves, but you don't want a bunch of new winners because they, we could be reaching that point for the first time ever in this playoff format. We could be going into Daytona of all places uh, with 17, 18 winners. I mean, that would be nuts. And you're fighting just on points to get in or to, to win again uh, to get more playoff points. So that's going to be crazy. But as for the Xfinity series, I'm looking at a guy who um, does have two wins this year. Um, obviously the reigning champion Austin centric, because we, we talked about how many wins he could rally up this year because he didn't start off last year, you know, this dominant, right. He. Towards that middle part of the year, he started winning a bunch. We knew he was going to be good at the road courses. And then he started, you know, he swept um, swept Kentucky. He started winning on these ovals, right? And kind of defining himself as one of the top contenders. And there he goes, he wins the championship. So this was the part of the year he started going on a tear. And he already has two wins. So I can only think about how much he can do this year. But then I look at his competition, right? They've gotten, you know, better as well. As we look at, you know, the winners we've had so far this year. Daniel Hemrick, I mean, he's been knocking on the door for years for a win will it finally happen we think this is his best shot at it you got harrison burton and you got jeb burton Almendinger, who've already had wins this season um, but i'm looking at austin Sindrick. i mean i think he's just going to go on a tear i think justin allgaier has an opportunity to maybe start uh getting a few more wins as well we're heading to dover Well, we know is good there but but as for the xfinity series i'm looking at austin cindrick um, to start going
0: yeah. on the tear. Xfinity-wise, when I think about like who could go win the race right here, this is where, to me, Brett Moffat uh, he's probably got this one circled as it's going to be really, 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 really hard to drive this thing uh, Saturday. And the harder it is, the better it is for Brett Moffitt. Uh, if, if you think you're the best driver in the field, you want it to be the hardest thing to drive in the world. Uh, but I'm looking at him. I'm looking at Al Geier, uh, veteran good speed around that place, uh, in Darlington. And, uh, also I'm looking at, at Noah Gregson, right? So if we want to compare Darlington to anything, I think Homestead is a good comp. Uh, and man, I mean, Noah had a ton of speed down there at Homestead. Obviously everybody knows what happened at the end of the race there, but I feel like he's still kind of waiting to make a statement, uh, this year. And I think this could be the type of place where he could go do it.
1: Yeah. And, and one, one thing again about, we had just talked about, um, Brett Moffitt losing his truck ride um, and going over, you know, to run for Xfinity points. But one guy that lost his truck ride, and unfortunately doesn't really have anything else set up right now was Rafael Lassard, another former guest of the podcast. Very unfortunate. I mean, he's an awesome guy, um, was sitting 13th in points, you know, but he, just like he had told us, you know, on the podcast, they were just trying to get as much sponsorship as they can. I I think in that situation, we kind of knew from the beginning, you know, they said he was running full time, um, but obviously hoping, you know, it was his goal to get the funding for the rest of the season. And unfortunately he didn't get it. Um, he's out of the ride, so hopefully he, you know, he's saying they're gearing up, get more sponsors for 2022, which, which hopefully they do because I thought he had a pretty um, solid start to this season as well, especially with being a new team, no practice, you know, we know how that goes. And so as far as this weekend, Ryan Reed, um, who's ran the past two truck races for CMI Motorsports, he's in the 24. Um, I know a little bit of an
0: upgrade. No offense yeah. to CMI Motorsports, but now all of a sudden Ryan Reed is in a truck and <laughs> has. <laughs> that has literally been the best truck in the field almost every week. And, and tip of the cap to Cal Motorsports, I know they probably want something to say about that, but those GMS trucks have been so, so fast. And this is an incredible opportunity for Ryan Reed to kind of reestablish himself back here in NASCAR.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that'll be cool. He's gotten some experience in just a truck, you know, getting back racing, right, the past few weeks. So I think he will have an opportunity to do some good things at Darlington. We'll see how many races he gets in the 24. I know they got an ARCA driver, Jack Wood, um, that we'll see how many starts he gets. And we'll see what they do kind of with, with that uh, truck, you know, if they run some cup drivers in it throughout the season. Um, but as for Lassard, I know he's gearing up for... 2022 we'll see what he does if he gets you know some races with with these motorsports that could be a possibility this season but hopefully he finds something because you know he's he's an awesome guy um you know as if if you haven't seen the podcast episode we have with him before the season definitely go watch it um it was was awesome to get to talk to him
0: really good kid really good kid talented racer and and what we're seeing there and this is something that we talk about in the moment on the podcast is okay you've got your sponsorship Here's what you know you got. How do you want to play this? And now there was a couple of ways to do it, right? So I don't want to speak to Rafael Asar's pocketbook, but I'm sure that he probably had the amount of sponsorship there to go run a full season with maybe a little bit of a lesser team. But instead, they took the decision and said, no, we want to go run at the front of the field with a big team right? We, we want to we'll go run up front and then we're just going to hope we can sell the rest of it. Now, there's a version of this, right? Where he wins a race and he's locked in the playoffs or something. And that's kind of like, well, we, so we got to keep him around. Like any team would kind of go, well, okay, well, you know, we got to keep you in the mix here because we know we're going to get a payout at the end of this thing because you're locked in the playoffs, <laughs> right? So there's a version of that where it plays out pretty good. But the alternative to this is, yeah, there's probably gonna be some bumps in the road for a really young kid and i think what Raphael needs more than anything else is just seat time he just needs reps it doesn't mean if it's to me in the front car up there contending for wins or something that's a middle of the pack car obviously you don't want to get anything that's just slow where you're in the way you don't want that but just something where he's out there racing making reps i personally that's my philosophy on this that's not hurting a kid and that money that you've got that that sponsorship you've been able to find if you're able to keep it consistently great you can get your experience year one and then year two or year three potentially you can take that same amount of money and do essentially what ryan priest did the ryan priest method which was okay I think Ryan basically said he had about a half a million dollars worth of sponsorship. And this is like known here. So I don't feel like I'm like throwing any kind of yeah. inside information. It was about, it was 300 or 400, it was three or three to 500. It was in that range. And he basically ran the entire season for Johnny Davis motorsports down in the Xfinity series and ran well, showed himself well, was competitive. Ran, got a couple of top tens ran in the top 20, was competitive with Ross, who everybody knew was pretty established at that point, beat some people that he probably shouldn't have, literally got a Motorsports Analytics article written about him that said, the most undervalued driver in Xfinity right now is Ryan Priest. right? Okay, great. He felt like he established himself. He felt like he got the experience. He was already a pretty experienced racer though. And then he took that same amount of money and said, all right, I'm gonna go to Joe Gibbs. I feel like I'm ready to maybe go win. And he ran first, second, and second, I think, in the three races that he did. Now, think about that. Same amount of money, three races <laughs> for Gibbs, but showed himself so well that he got some more opportunities with Gibbs later in the year. And then eventually that success was what, you know, a team like JG, um, JTG up there in the Cup Series was able to go back to their sponsors and go, look, this guy's won. Like when the pressure was on him down there in the X-Men series, he, he got it done. Like we can, we can now prove to our sponsors, like, no, we're not actually taking a risk. We're actually going to get this guy at a huge discount. And we think he's undervalued and we're going to get, basically, we're going to get a better return on our investment for the money here. We can get a cheaper driver that we think is really talented because he just doesn't have the name recognition yet. Right. All of that plays out. And I look at Rafael Lassard and I go, it's right there on the table. (laughs) Like that's the, to me, that is the method, the method of get a lot of experience, okay, now take your shot. Go take your shot, right? If you can if you can get somebody to kind of buy into it where they're writing you the check as a sponsor and going, look, I trust you to make the best decision with your career with this. Okay, great. Take your shot at that point. I think Raphael is probably a little early to be taking the shot. Now, he has been so competitive in late models and he's run really well. And he's, he showed himself well every time he's ever gotten in a truck, right? And, and we're a fan of the kid. It's just to me, it's just right now, he's going to be in a dearth of rest. So, I mean, he's on the shelf for the rest of the year. And he said that publicly, like, well, we're working on 2022. Well, good grief, that kid needs to be in a race car right now. We're talking about nine months from now. And that's tough for a young kid to sit out that long. And then if we're going to do the same method again here, RJ, right? We're going, well, I'm just not going to get anything that's not an elite ride. Okay, well, that's wonderful, but we might be going down the same path again. And, and I don't want to see that to a kid that needs to develop. And I think I feel the same way about all these kids.
1: Yeah, I'll try to um, – we'll see um, how much he, you know, is able to put together for the rest of the season. Uh, maybe I can get something together with him, ask some questions about yeah. for the rest of the year. I would, lo- I would love to do that. Probably Yeah, contact for the
0: kid. What, what would do well? I mean, every time I've seen him, I actually think he's run really well. Remember everybody here on the podcast that thinks I've turned to like a Rafael Lassard hater or something, saying that he was mismanaged. No, it's just a difference in philosophy. And Raphael has showed himself well in the times that he's been in a GMS truck. He hasn't embarrassed himself. He's run up there and run competitively, right? So this, it's not a knock against Raphael. He's good. But think about what you're asking this kid to do. You're asking the kid to get in a in a race winning truck at the at the top level, right? His teammates, Sheldon Creed, uh, you know the other guys that he's racing against. Uh, you have multiple champions out there in the truck series that he's up there racing against. Much like every one of the Thor Sport guys, think about that. He's racing against all of them. He's racing against Kyle Busch. He's racing against John Hunter Nemechek, who has won races at this lo- at the truck level. The other guys at, at GMS. He gets no practice at all, ever. And it's like, okay, yeah, and go qualify for the playoffs. You got to go try to win and get in here in the first five races because that's what we've got in sponsorship. And that's crazy to me. Like, that is is a little bit of a – yeah, it's a difference in philosophy, and and it's not the way that I would have gone with it. And I think it's just way too much to ask out of a kid that just needs a little time to develop. Hey, guess what, everybody? There's a reason that baseball players get drafted by major league clubs and they don't take them out of the college and put them in the bigs because they're not, they just don't have enough reps yet. They don't have enough at bats against pro level pitching. Even though they're awesome, they go, you know what we got to do? We got to kind of bring them along a little slower here. There's nothing wrong with that. The best quarterback in the NFL right now is a guy named Pat Mahomes. Did Pat Mahomes play his first year? He did not. He sat on the bench and he learned from Alex Smith. Aaron Rodgers, one of the best quarterbacks in the world right now. What did he do his first few years? He sat behind Brett Favre. Tom Brady, the best quarterback of all time, ever. He had Drew Bledsoe that he learned off of for like a year and a half before he started playing. This is not a bad thing to say, you know what? Probably need to develop a little bit. Yeah, that means you have potential, and we're going to kind of work this into it to where now, when you're ready to take your shot, you are completely prepared for it.
1: Yeah, I, I think that'll be good for him, you know, to, to get some to get some reps, you know, because that's what you need, right? You mentioned Ryan Priest; you can almost, you know, think Ross Chastain did the same thing, right, where he yeah. had full season for JD Motorsports, and then he got some races for Chip Ganassi Racing, right, and look where he is now, you know, driving for Chip Ganassi full-time than the 42 in the NASCAR cup series. So
0: for Rob, you Alex know, Momin, another guy, yeah. Alex Bowman, another guy, when he got a shot, he got a bunch of reps driving for a team that was, I mean, a backmarker team in the cup series, Matt DiBenedetto drove for a backmarker team was a starting part guy scraped around drove for, uh, what was it? Um, BK racing, uh, for a few years, struggled, drove for go fast, struggled. Eventually, kind of got known as a guy that was a little bit of an overachiever, got a shot, was ready for it. He already had four, six years worth of reps in the car. And so then when he gets a shot, he's ready. That's okay. I just, I hate the idea of this. And and again, it sounds like I'm just ripping on Lassard here. I just, I really don't like the idea of putting a kid in a car with, with limited chances when he's got limited experience, when he's got, More experience, you go, hey, look, we're taking a shot here. Limited chances. It's an elite car. Let's go for it. Makes total sense to me. But if we're literally talking about development, we're not doing a lot of development with a few races with no practice. Yeah, That's not a lot of development. That's that's a lot of pressure is what that is. And now all of a sudden you sit here and you go, all right, we're working on next year. It's like, man, that's a long way to wait. And I hate that for him because he's got talent and he should be out here.
1: Yeah. And Lassard kind of talked to us about that, the no practice aspect, you know, especially last year being his first year in a truck at all. Right. And he felt like he had kind of said he had felt like he had kind of found a little groove towards the end of the year. Right. Yeah. Uh, he obviously won that race to Talladega, big confidence booster, started running well. And then now you're transitioning to a whole new team, right? A whole new organization, a whole new philosophy over at GMS Racing compared to to Kyle Busch Motorsports and a different manufacturer, everything like that. And now he gets a few races this season, 13th in points, solid. Obviously, there's some races where you feel like you can do better. GMS as a whole hasn't been incredible this year. Obviously, you have Sheldon Creed up there defending champion. You expect that. St. Smith's had some solid runs, but everyone else, you know, they've been off a little bit um yes as, you know to start the season because kbm has been dominant this year right and people are going to compare john Hunter check and rafael lassard you, you know you can't do it. we know what john hunter niman has done the experience you know he was going to come in here and do very good right off the yeah, bat and
0: think, but think about this for john hunter right okay you talk about reps this is a kid that drove for his family's team in the truck series First year, they didn't go have a ton of success. The second year, they built it up. They started putting themselves into a position where they could go win races, right? They kind of started going for it. They they built a competitive program. He went to the Xfinity Series, got two years worth of reps there for both GMS and for Ganassi. Okay, now he goes to the Cup Series. Full season of the Cup Series, driving for a mid-level team in front, in, in front row. All those reps. Now he goes back to the team That is a powerhouse in the truck series. And he basically said, I'm betting on me right now. I'm betting on myself. I've got all the experience. I know I'm still young, but I've got all the experience that I think I need to go be a champion down here in this series in a top level ride. And you see how he's performing. He has been the elite of the truck series this year. I just think that's the method, right? That's the method. (laughs) And, And I wish I'd see more people do it.
1: Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, John Harnimacek, I mean, dominant this season, obviously clearly the championship favorite. Uh, so we'll see what's happened, what happens there. Um, I know, yeah, like like I, like I mentioned, Jack Wood, their ARCA driver might get some, probably going to get a handful of starts maybe in their truck team. Uh, we'll see what happens with their ARCA team. And then Raphael Lessard um, hopefully is able to finalize maybe some deals with, um, for races with uh, Nice Motorsports, it'd be awesome to see him out there. Um, just in a truck, right? Seat time, just like you said. If he can get some you know, races with nice Motorsports, anybody in a truck, you know. And I'm sure he'll yeah, be some model races. Kind of,
0: and that's the kind of organization, RJ, that I'm talking yeah. about. Where you go, okay, is this competitive truck? Yes. Is it the elite truck? No, it's not. But this is a competitive truck where I know I'm going to be racing for top tens and top fifteens every week. And if I do that, I'm getting like good, high level experience. And then yeah. maybe take a shot that we, you know, the next year.
1: Exactly. You know, you hop in a nice motorsports truck, just like when Ross Chastain did, you know, and, and you not feel it. like you have something to prove just like Bailey Curry did just a week ago. And anytime he hops in the truck, you got something to prove, right? You're not the fastest truck in the field, but you feel like you can do something in that truck. You feel like you make something happen during the race. And hopefully he'll feel that. Cause it kind of, it kind of gives you a little confidence boost. You're racing a little harder. Um, you know, you can and, tell. And, that also,
0: and also think about that, right? What you just kind of alluded to here, there is, especially for a younger driver, the element of kind of a built-in excuse right yeah well you know this isn't a truck that can go win the race it it, you know we we didn't show up here expecting to go win the race the fact that you're running 12th 15th 17th hey that's a good day for us nice job You're, you're getting all you can get out of it so now all of a sudden those days turn into positives whereas you got a kid in a gms truck and he runs 11th in the race and the competition meeting, every, everybody on Monday morning is going, all right, well, what, what do we need to be better there? I mean, because that, that obviously wasn't good enough. That's a difference, right, when you're developing a driver. <laughs> and that doesn't mean that you can't learn from that situation. Of course you can, right, because they're telling you how to win the race. That's fine. What I'm saying is there is a difference in the mentality going into this. And for a young kid that, you know, that we're, we're saying needs time and reps. I just prefer that other version is a little better. Yeah,
1: exactly. So um, we'll see what happens. I I love the, the seat time idea. Just, just getting as much seat time as you can. And hopefully, you know, he does get as much seat time as possible. Um, Especially, you know, with no practice this season. I mean, it, it is very important to get that seat time. So There's a lot of news this week. We'll get that in just a second. Um, Gonna have to thank another one of our sponsors, Canon Sunglasses. Um, And it's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Canon. We're hopping into the summer, it's getting sunny. You might need some sunglasses um, on your face. You got some uh, exclusively polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. So use the exclusive code CANONCAST at cannon.com to receive 50% off your first pair. That's K A E N O N C A S T one five. Canon. clearly better. So as I mentioned, there was a lot of news this week. We'll recap it real quick. Um, Kansas, first of all, Kyle Busch swept the weekend for for the, the big, the three national series, no Xfinity this weekend, but he did win the truck race and crazy finish. We didn't think he was gonna win. And then he did, he made a three wide pass on Ross Chastain and Austin Hill. Um, Everyone was slamming each other and Kyle Bush somehow squeaked by in the top. Wins that race. Wins, wins Kansas as well. A lot of people didn't think he would win the cup race at Kansas. Wins that. Ty Gibbs um, won the ARCA race. So a Toyota sweep this weekend. Toyota has been the story of the trucks uh, series. They've won every race this season, uh, but then they sweep Kansas uh, as well. So Toyota currently has the most wins uh, in the cup series with um, our Martin Truex Jr. or Joe Gibbs Racing, I should say. Martin Tricks Jr. with two wins. Christopher Bell with a win. Kyle Bush with a win now. And the only one, Denny Hamlin, doesn't have a win, which is shocking. But we know that's going to come. And is the points battle. leader. And the points leader. <laughs> exactly. So... Um, but a lot of other underlying news, uh, as far as this weekend really goes, we had mentioned Ryan Reese is running or Ryan Reed is running for GMS this weekend in the 24. We'll see how many races he gets with them. Um, but Tanner Berryhill, big shot out of left field right there is coming back for our motorsports. He will run three races. He will, um, starting with this weekend at Talladega, we haven't seen him, uh, since he was running for Obica, you know, back a few years back in the cup series. Uh, was you know granted a full-time deal never got it and then he you know we didn't see him in a car ever since then but now he's coming back he's going to have three races this season i think that's awesome he's pumped about it he's been doing some dirt racing uh over this time period that he hasn't been in nascar and he kind of his name became you know relevant when he was running back when in the nationwide series um driving uh back there so i think that'll be cool to see him back there so tanner berry hill returning the xfinity series Eric Darnell returning to the truck series after so many years. He's going to be in the 45 for nice. uh, today. This Ryan, morning, Ryan Ellis returning to the truck series. Ryan Ellis back, back in the driver's seat this weekend. That's going to be awesome to see. B.J. McLeod's doing triple duty this weekend. You got Dale Jr., who um, they just announced this morning, will be running the Richmond race on the September 11th, running an awesome scheme, paying tribute to all the victims of 9-11. Uh he will be running, that will be his single race. That he will run this year in the eight car uh for junior motorsports. So that's gonna be uh awesome to see. It's a lot of good news that has come out um in the past few days leading up to this throwback weekend. And I know Tommy Joe, you posted a pen on Twitter, and I want you to just let us know what you know what pen, what pen was it? Uh was there a pen that you purchased uh that you can tell us about? um i know i know a lot of people are posting pens but nobody really says anything about the pens or anything you can tell us about the pen
0: right so the pen, and, and obviously this has become kind of the inside joke now right for all the drivers and now this and also, was started by gregson wasn't it and it was totally started by noah and, and i'm gonna give all credit to to the guy that did it um basically announcing his extension um, with junior yeah. motorsports and is now kind of trickled into basically anytime somebody has something to announce they're going to tweet a pen first right so uh, the big announcement for Martin's Motorsports, and I can just let it out here on the pod, right? Uh, the big yeah. announcement for Martin's Motorsports is that Market Rebellion, our sponsor from last year uh, for the Charlotte race that everybody remembers for all the wrong reasons <laughs> <laughs> <for> Martin's <laughs> Motorsports, uh, but a great group of people, great group of people with John Nigerian, Pete Nigerian over there at Market Rebellion, and um, Dirk mueller who's who's the CEO over there and, and has been so supportive of me. Kind of in the background a little bit and as an associate sponsor here for us uh, this year with the plans of always kind of becoming a primary sponsor again uh they're signed on for a three race deal with us and that's a big deal uh, for later in the fall um we've got eight more open races that we're we're trying to sell we've got some more announcements that we're going to make um uh, with with some other sponsors but Margaret rebellion that's a big one for us uh, it's a big one for them uh it's them and, and this is the neat thing for us basically saying hey, we actually saw some value in Martin's Motorsports last year. Yeah. We want to do some more of that in the Xfinity series with Tommy Joe, with Martin's Motorsports. We're going to go from one race to three races, and we're going to try to activate a little bit more off of that. And that's, I mean, it's really awesome for us. And, and it shows that we're, we've are we got the organization point in the right direction. So we're really proud of that.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And that's a nice hot rod too. I love that paint scheme. Obviously, for, you remember for the wrong reasons at Charlotte, but man, when that <laughs> thing was running clean, that thing looked off. I mean, it looked... It looked pretty badass after it wrecked at Charlotte too. I mean, (laughs) still running. (laughs) You just drove that thing off. I mean, you went head on into the wall. The thing spun around it a full 360, and here you go without like a back
0: end on the car. You just just have a radiator. Yeah, didn't have, didn't have a lot. Uh, still attached to it. Still driving just fine. <laughs> driving uh, yeah,
1: that's that's when we were like, okay, he's okay at least, you know, <laughs> he's just driving away. So that was awesome. But man, Market Rebellion, that's awesome. They uh, extend the deal with some more races. And I know you had mentioned before that you guys still had uh, a good amount of open races uh, that you're looking to fill up. I know Circuit of the Americas. You had told me that that got
0: filled up, correct? That did get filled up. Diamond Gussett's going to come back in there for that one uh, for us uh, on the 44 car. They've done a few races earlier this year. Um, David Hall, everybody over there at Diamond Gusset so supportive of me. And he's kind of overextending himself, honestly, with their little small company to, to sponsor me. And it, it, it just means a whole heck of a lot. And in, in a uh, little bit of self-promotion here for me, uh, it was brought up to my attention that Coda is going to be my 100th. NASCAR Xfinity Series start, and really neat to have Diamond gusset who has been my oldest sponsor, my first yeah. ever sponsor that I had in NASCAR, uh, be the sponsor on that car. And, and we made that deal before we even knew that. And so I feel like that's pretty serendipitous and pretty cool.
1: oh that's awesome, yeah The historic sponsor on for your hundredth start at Circuit of the Americas. So that'll be awesome, and a full weekend of practice and TV time. Yeah. You know, you get some, you get some TV time before the race. That's why I was puzzled when it was open before. I was like. Uh, take advantage of that you know you got the full weekend and get some more tv time for the yeah. sponsors, so, texas yeah. texas is
0: fully open for business as far as a capacity standpoint so it's going to be a really fun weekend down there in austin and yeah i'm going to be having my spotters around the racetrack it's like hey when when is uh when's it kind of thinning out out there maybe we need to make a run here we'll hop on that tv a couple more laps
1: yeah, yeah, get some get some TV time. You got a lot of Darlington last year, so hopefully some more this year. And I'm sure you will with that throwback scheme. I mean, they can't keep the cameras off that thing. So
0: yeah, it's gonna stand out. That purple and, and yellow uh, Rich Bickle car, you're you're not gonna be able to miss it. Uh, Capital City hauling, who does so much for our team. They're working on my my transporter right now. Yeah. down there in south carolina and they do all of that for us for free they maintain our hauler all year for free and that's kind of their version of sponsorship and we kind of do a little bit of a trade deal with them uh out for a race uh, down there in south carolina uh, which is where they're from darlington big race throwback weekend we kind of built the scheme around capital city hauling and what they do for us and uh, Ryan Fastana, our designer, who is so talented. Oh, yeah. Uh, even with the Rich Pickle car, if you guys haven't seen it, look it up and get a comparison. You can go to my Twitter at Tommy Joe Martins and see it. Uh, but he even weaved in the phone, uh, <laughs> which was on the side of it. He did that into the hook with the capital city hauling logo, uh, to where that even blended in (laughs) well. So really, really, really proud of how that turned out. We're going to get some really cool photos this weekend and, and Darlington I think is the toughest racetrack in the world. And I am really looking forward to going back there. We had a great run going there with the Budweiser, uh, car last year, um, that throwback that we did with Gilbert farms, red Angus, uh, had a shot at a top ten on the final restart. Had a tire go down with eight eight laps to go, running eleventh. So I feel like that place owes me one right now. I think everybody says that about about Darlington because it has definitely taken more than it ever gives back to you. It is an incredibly it's difficult racetrack um, and something that I take a lot of pride in going there and running well.
1: Yeah, yeah, and and like you said with your with your sponsorship announcement, this that part of the year where where everyone you know we start. They start bringing in the sponsors. I know, I think Jeremy Clemens, they just got a nice deal, I believe, last week, you know, extended some sponsorship. Oh, uh, Ryan Seag, yeah. it wasn't a sponsorship thing, but they had actually, I just wanted to mention it. I believe Shane Wilson back, uh, crew even for that team. Um, so that's, that's cool.
0: Big news here. I know we're, we're trying to close the pot out here. That's huge, huge, huge news. Cowboy Starlin has been the man over at Ryan Seag Racing for the last five, six years, he is basically single-handedly responsible for the turnaround of Ryan Seag Racing, who was a team much like Martin's Motorsports, very small. Um, and they he has helped build them in that relationship with ECR and RCR and basically built the entire program, not in North Carolina, down in Georgia, yeah. isolated. He literally trained some of the guys that had never worked on a race car before how to work on race cars. All right literally built that program up to what it is they had been running two cars cowboy was on one and uh and I, I'm shane wilson was on the other one there for a little bit shane left the team and now is coming back to the team as a crew chief and cowboy is going to be staying basically at the shop more prepping the cars they felt like they had to do something rj like they're down there in the standings they're behind us in the standings that's a team that had Incredibly high expect championship level expectations going into this year. They they were in the kind of the elite eight of the playoffs last year, went over to Ford. Huge expectations. Like they're gonna go up there, they're gonna win a race this year, and they just haven't gotten off to the right start. And Cowboy kind of being the the person getting the demotion here, it seems like to me, that is shocking from a team that has been so consistent with him at the helm of it for so long. It's not like he's not there, right? He's still there but this feels like a little bit of a shakeup, and it says to me that they feel like they have to make a big change here because they haven't gotten off to the start they wanted
1: yeah definitely a change and hopefully it pays off for the better you know because yeah they haven't gotten off the start they wanted with their new alliance with ford and maybe maybe this is the turnaround they get something going here like you said this is the part of the xfinity series season we got like 12 straight weeks of action right and they, they got to keep it going. So now's the time over the off weekend. They made the change and, and here we go. Maybe something turns around for them. So so one last thing is we had in the throwback weekend. Um, you know, obviously everyone has their schemes, but some people do uh, some, some other things for throwback weekend. Will we see, will we see any type of mustache action going <laughs> on
0: <laughs> at Darlington? I'm already getting shamed for this, RJ. You don't need to play into this anymore. And you know, weirdly enough, And I will say this, it's something that I have thought about every year going into throwback weekend, going to Darlington. I have done the mustache now for several years, and I can swear to everybody listening to this, if you're still listening to this, (laughs) two hours into the podcast, I swear it didn't even cross my mind. Like I would have probably shaved tonight, but I kind of got made fun of on Twitter a couple of times like, hey, you got to do the mustache. And I went, oh yeah, I got to do the mustache. So I'm going to do it just because I've done it now for a few years, but legitimately I would have shaved it off, not even thinking about it going into this weekend. If I really wanted to do a throwback, I'd clean shave completely because I don't feel like I've had a clean face in probably about eight years. At this point, I've had a beard going for a long time. So uh but no we're gonna do the we're gonna do the mustache for Darlington. and i gotta keep the tradition I gotta keep the traditional alive. it's
1: good tradition to keep man so yeah i can't can't wait to see uh everybody out there darlington uh friday night truck race fs1 uh xfinity saturday at one o'clock on fs1 and then the cup race on fs1 as well uh, i believe three o'clock 3 30 somewhere around then uh that's when the cup race will be so Exciting throwback weekend. It's always just a fun weekend um, just to see all the paint schemes, see all the festivities. We'll see what Fox does. Uh, maybe we'll throw out some fun stuff for the broadcasts, uh, maybe for each day, maybe just for Sunday. Uh, we'll see. But it should be a fun weekend. Awesome racing at Darlington. Awesome festivities. Um, Going to be having a nice crowd there, I'm pretty sure, as well. So Definitely. Should be a lot of fun. So can't wait. So that's been another episode of the podcast. Can't wait for Darlington this weekend. Enjoy the weekend. Um, and we'll see you guys next week. If you made it this far, we'd like to thank you for listening to the Drivers Meeting Podcast today, wherever you may be, and hope you stay tuned for upcoming episodes on Apple Podcasting, Spotify, the Believe Podcasting Network, and much more. I'm not your stepping stone I'm not your
0: stepping stone